All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? What the fuckleberry thins? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my show. This is WTF, the podcast. Got a report for jury duty today. Got to go try to get out of my civic duty. Try to. I have to go try to weasel out of what we as citizens should do in the system we are in or what's left of the system we are in. I'll let you know how that goes. I'm not excited about that. But I got to be honest, though. The last time I went in, I was ready to serve. I'm pretty ready to serve today, but I was honest. You know, the case was a class action against a drug company. I don't even know if it was a class action, but it was against an antidepressant company. I got out of that, but I was honest. You get, it, it feels a little heavy in court. We'll see what happens. This is positive, though. A new batch of special WTF mugs are in. You can go to bryantjones.com starting at 12 noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific today for the mug. While, while I'll be somewhere in the um, L.A. Superior Court system trying to figure out a, a way out, you'll be getting a nice mug. Also, next Monday, my guest is Steve O., who you know from Jackass, his Showtime special, Guilty as Charged, is now available on Vimeo starting today. You can check that out before you hear him on here next week. I, I guess I'll just, you know, kind of tell you what's going on. I have nothing to complain about. All right, you know, I go out, maybe I'll make some dinner, I'll go out, do some comedy, then I come home, sit on the couch, maybe watch, uh, you know, some uh, DVR'd Better Call Saul's, and, uh, you know, eat some ice cream, play a little guitar quietly. But some part of me, some, some part of my brain is sort of like, man, not again. I'm living it. There's nothing better than sitting alone eating ice cream with the option and the choice to play guitar or watch any show you want. This is what sort of got me weirded out a little bit. The, uh, you know, I hung out with some friends, you know, Steve Brill and, and Judd, and you know, it was after comedy, and you know, we'd all we're at the comedy store, and Judd was hungry, and I'd already eaten once with Steve, but we're gonna all go eat again because that, that's what you do late at night. It's a good thing to go have a a full fucking dinner with pasta, mac and cheese, uh, chocolate bread pudding with ice cream, grilled artichoke, uh, meatballs, uh, and uh, fried chicken. It's good to do that eleven thirty at night. That's the smart thing to do. But, you know, these guys, they, they live in nice homes, uh, you know, up with their families. And I talked to another friend, talked to my friend Al, who's got a family, nice home. And, you know, I'm doing all right. I don't got to freak out or worry right now. But uh, they cannot, on some level, they cannot understand why I'm living in the same house. I cannot understand, you know, why why do I why do I have to get in the game you know there's some system in place that uh, that is wired into some of our minds that you know i've struggled my whole fucking life to get somewhere and now i'm I'm here to a degree this is where i'm gonna be yeah i'm doing okay i'm earning an honest dollar i believe but why why do i why do i have to you know move up i'm good Look, I do, look. I just figured out what to do with my second bedroom. I only have two bedrooms. I just, in the last three months, figured out what to do with that room. It was always clearly supposed to be a record storage room 
for my weird obsession that will soon become a problem. Uh, that's what that room was be. It used to be, you know, uh, women that I was living with would move their stuff in, in, in and out of that room. Now it's just records. I, it's a small record store and a giant closet that I built for a woman. So it's just a room with a giant clothes closet filled with clothing that I stole from wardrobe of Marin. So I'm outfitted. And then there's two huge record shelves in there. And that's, that's what, that's, so my, I'm good. I'm set in the house. Do I need another room? Just to have a room? Well, that's the third room in case somebody wants to sleep here. Rarely happens. I bought a chair. That's something. I bought a nice chair from Crate and Barrel. So why do I need to move up? But there's this weird pressure to it. They were going to go home, which was down the street. And then Steve was like, what do you got to drive an hour now? I'm like, no, I'm going home. Don't. This is not the center of the universe here and where we just ate all that food and where there's fancy malls and people who live up in the hills and houses that you see from the street and go, what the fuck? Is that a house? Is that a fucking house? Jesus Christ, who lives there? I'm not going to have one of those houses. I'm fine. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to sit in my small living room, eat ice cream, play guitar, watch DVR by myself. I've I've arrived. The other thing about, you know, moving up. I don't know what kind of life you live. And, you know, I'm grateful to be, you know, doing okay for once in my life. And for that, not really there. There's no real possibility at this point in time of a, a woman taking half or all my money. But, you know, it's like I, I come from the school of, hey, I don't know if I'm ever going to have money again. I'm going to save it. And then, like, you know, I got a small office space for a reasonable price of money. Look, my house needs my house needs repairs. You know, I put the driveway in, but I, I'm going to have to like start putting walls in, or I'm just going to going to be shaken awake by a collapsing ceiling or something. Starting to look a little a little broke down up here. But I got more space because I took that office that I was so excited about, only to find that I am being, you know, just drowned drowned in radio frequencies of different kinds and Wi-Fi frequencies from being inside a cell tower. I'm so, on some level, I'm so glad that, you know, my little uh, stereo set up there in my new office picked up all this stuff and that it's relentless, this sound, relentless. But that just means that the waves are relentless. And then you've got the FDA or the FCC, whoever decides that, you know, that's okay. That's not too much of that stuff. I don't know. I'm not clear anymore. I'm not exactly clear how much of that frequency we... I'm not supposed to be inside a cell tower. No one's supposed to be working inside a cell tower except people who are there to repair the cell tower and then leave. And you know, when you walk down a hallway of someplace you work and there's a door that says, warning, don't go in here. Hide, stop. No machinery making things connecting with satellites in here. Yeah, I mean, cell phones are bad, but I'm literally, we'll see what happens. ATT has uh, been pretty good about trying to figure it out, but now I'm starting to worry about, like, am I, like, how much of that shit can I really take? It's one thing that I can't play a record. That's a pretty luxury problem. But am I going to become some sort of, am I, maybe it's going to end up being a gift, a, a superpower that I end up having at the end of my tenure, if I am able to even stay in the fucking building Maybe I'll have some superpower of being able to email and receive phone calls 
with no uh, with no phone or computer. Maybe that's that's going to be my gift. I don't know how I would use that superpower. It'd be more like a parlor trick, I think. Hold on, I think I'm getting a call in my brain. I hope that I hope that I hope ATT service is good. If I start just picking up in my brain, I mean we're run on an electrical system, right? My, our brain is an electrical system. Like on some level, whatever I'm picking up through my stereo equipment, that is relentless. Pounding in has got to be pounding into my skull. I would imagine if a shielded wire that I could cover in copper is still picking up this intrusive frequency, I've got to feel, I've got to think that my brain is probably less shielded than that. And I am an electrical system. Oh, fuck. I'll let you know how it goes. I'll let you know if I start picking up static. I think, I've, I, I, think I've, I have been picking up static for a long time. So my guest today, Susan Sarandon, came by for a tight hour. We had a tight hour. I'm a big, I'm not a fan of the hard out. I'm not a fan of the hard out. Uh, her new movie, The Meddler, opens this Friday, April 22nd. I had interviewed her once before with her then partner, the Tim Robbins, and uh, it was for Air America years ago. And, uh, you know, I asked her if, uh, if she remembered that, and she did not. So we're, we're, we're starting from a, from a fresh start. Clean slate, no recollection of me, though I remembered her. So this is me and Susan Sarandon. Do you remember Air America? I don't remember anything anymore. Is that true? Um, no, but I, it all kind of has blended. Uh, if you give me enough details, things snap in. But really, yeah. But there's it's, it's been no. a lot of years and people and wild, right? Yeah, it's just going away. No, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is good that it goes away. You know, I, that's okay. <laughs> this is how you forgive. It's how you forgive. forgive and forget. And, yeah, and things are, details. lose their relevance. They lose their ability. Well, you to, know what happens is you, like, especially when it comes to suits surrounding a project. Yeah. I'll, yeah. They'll go high and I'll go high. And in yeah. my mind, I'm thinking, do I like this person? Was that a good experience? I don't remember exactly. How long I ago? know I know them, but which movie was it? Which one was it? <laughs> Should I, I be don't upset? know. I know I didn't have your baby, but what else <laughs> is I, this? I can remember that. I know that much, but yeah. I didn't sleep with you. But uh, did I you can't. screw me another way? Right. Maybe you did. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not. So I kind of get to a Switzerland. I'm not like air kissing, but I'm not cold. And you act like you know them. No, I well, I know I know them because oh, you they come in and yeah. you know you know them. So, I, because but producers are so uh, you know producers on a film are you can have that title and be the least qualified of anybody on the yeah. film, and so there can be six people that you don't even you know maybe you actually interfaced with one producer but they claim to be a producer. So when they yeah. come at you, you go yeah. I had dealings, but I don't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. 
or uh, there are a lot of people on cruise that I've worked with a number of times, but I can't differentiate exactly. I remember some. Um, I mean, I remember them, and yeah. I know they're the sound, or I know they're, right. they're props, but I'm thinking, like, which one was that in the 45 years that I've been doing this? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's crazy. Have you looked at the list of movies you've been in lately? Well, I had to I had to look because they gave me an Icon Award last night at Cinecon. Uh-huh. Which was everyone that goes to Cinecon gets an award. It's yeah. kind of like Little League, you know, like most improved player. <laughs> right. And I got the Icon Award, and so they do a little- The montage? Um, yeah. So I saw every category of Cinecon on the screen, uh, the breakout performance, the new, you know, and they do like a, your career yeah. flashes before you, and yeah. you get to see it all. That's, a, that's what it's going to look like when it flashes before your eyes. Just a montage- but maybe not of my films. No, it'll be of my life. Yeah, I think, maybe. Yeah. Is there like? But is there? There's a big differentiation, I guess. But I imagine your life is marked by the films, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. But I have a feeling that you know it'll be people rather sure, than you, films. You would hope so. <laughs> Rushes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you grew up in New York? I grew up in Queens for a while, and then we moved to New Jersey. Jersey. Because I'm the oldest of nine. That's crazy. Yeah. Wait, I mean, do you know all your siblings? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> Are you, yeah. And they're all younger than you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all still with us? Yeah. That's and today's crazy. my mom's 93rd birthday. Shit, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. 93? 93. That's good. Yeah. You're, gonna, you're probably gonna... And she's got tons of great-grandchildren and grandchildren. She can't even keep track. Do you have grandchildren now? I do. I have one, and I'm going to have a second one, and it is so much easier than having a child. Yeah, and the pressure's off a little bit. Pressure's so off. And you can just be the great oh, grandma. you're just unclutched. You just don't have any of... Do you have kids? I don't. I, I don't know how it, I, it eluded me. <laughs> There's still time. I, that's what I hear. Yeah. Be I, careful. Well, every... <laughs> Every guy I talk to my age who does that has the first one in their fifties. About five years in, they're like, "Oh my god, you know, I don't, I don't think about it a lot, but I'm old." It's just the sleep deprivation. If you're rich and you pick a good baby mama, you know, I yeah. suppose you could just. I there are a number of people who are just collecting children at this point okay well maybe various I'll... women but you know it depends on what your idea of participation is <laughs> right, I'll put like, that on... i love this idea of having kids yeah you're never there right so you've got a few women that are having little use and all right it's a different thing i'll get started uh, yeah maybe i'm not encouraging put, you that put it on craigslist i'm available to have a few little me's with various women if i'm if you don't pressure it, me it, just don't ask for yeah, anything right. except maintenance of yeah the physical kind it'd of. get messy what part of new jersey was that Edison. I went to Edison High School. I'm in the Edison High School Hall of Fame, actually. Just like the Icon Award. You're really building up. Like You got an Oscar, and you're in the Edison <laughs> the Hall of Fame. The one thing I do not have yet that I really am working on and I really want is a rest stop in New Jersey. What, what is it? Named after me. What, the Susan Sarandon rest stop? Yeah. I would even split it with Springsteen. Oh. It doesn't have to be all mine. Well, is Edison near Asbury Park? What part? Of, like, no, but he's not in Asbury Park. No, now. no. So what do it you got? It can gotta... be anywhere. It can be anywhere in New Jersey. It doesn't have to be near where I grew up. Yeah, you want but... it to have a restaurant and coffee. Or... I want it to be a rest stop. But right. you know, Bruce Springsteen and I talked about splitting one because if we have to remove somebody. Uh huh. Right. But then we thought maybe if we split it, it so would be So the Springsteen Sarandon rest stop. Maybe you can have yeah. one of those ones that's on both sides of the road. Yeah. And one yeah. side be Springsteen, one side yeah. be Sarandon. Oh, you could call it Bruce and Sue. Yeah. Do you talk to Bruce a lot? Not a lot, no. Yeah. yeah. When our kids were younger, we did like major 
memory events that where, where you're making memories at their place or something. And, you bring them over to swim in the pool and stuff, that kind of stuff? All even more detailed than that, you know, Halloween trips and things. And But Both I haven't families? seen them in a while, but I love him and I love her. He seems like a very earnest guy. Yeah, very thoughtful, works hard. Yeah. Talented. He's he, all about he's the He's going to go work. somewhere. Yeah, that kid's he, got he's potential. Hang in there. Yeah. But when did you start uh, acting? Are you the only one out of the nine that decided to? I didn't really decide. I kind of fell into it. Uh, at 20, I did Joe. But I was uh, I was in college in, in D.C., which was a very. At George Washington? No, at Catholic University. Were you brought the, up really Catholic? That was the end of it, was Catholic University, yeah. And <laughs> I was Do you remember there. the night? <laughs> well, it was, an, you know, the more you learn about institutionalized religion the more you realize its flaws you realize that as these good ideas became institutionalized they really lost a lot in translation sure it was and about controlling people it was about controlling people and be and then religion starts to be exclusive and actually gets aggressive towards people that are not in and I'll, i also really always had a problem with the doctrine of original sin yeah I'd never bought into that one. That was tough for me. But how was the childhood? If you were the oldest and you're taking the hit for, you know, you're the first one out. I mean, like, was it strict Catholic yeah, oh, upbringing? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I have the most pathetic little picture of me in my Catholic grammar school uniform. I was very sincere. I was praying all the time to have the faith when the communists came over and hung us upside down that I wouldn't deny my faith. And then I went to a... Uh, Edison High School, a public yeah. high school with 500 in my class. And the very first day we did the Lord's Prayer, the, Prost- the Protestant version, and I just rolled right over. <laughs> I just rolled right over. <laughs> Sold it out immediately. Sold out immediately with peer pressure to do the, well, what's the your, other what, version. What was the family doing? What was your dad doing? What, I mean, was My he... dad started out as a band singer. Went over, do you remember that? No, I wasn't around then. Oh. And he went to the war. Like a big band singer. Big band singer. Then he went to the war and he had um, uh, was in charge in Italy of the entertainment there. And there was pictures of him with uh, you know, Marlena Lauren. Dietrich oh, really? and, and introduced actually Burt Lancaster to his wife. Really? And then when he came back, uh, he knocked up my mother. Yeah. And Before they were married? No, oh, are you kidding? Okay. Well, they got married before he went away. Oh, okay, okay. She never thought he would come back, she said. <laughs> she asked her girlfriend, should I do it? And the girlfriend said, why not? He'll never come back. She said, okay. So they got married, and uh, he did come back. Uh-huh. And um, and then he got into the early days of TV and was uh, like a stage manager and director. And, and then eventually, as he had more and more children and more and more yeah. responsibility, he... I ended up a vice president of Ogilvy and Mather in advertising. advertising. That's a big one. That's a big one. And so then when Mad Men came out, I really was curious as Mm -hmm. to, you know, what was going on with dad. A lot, maybe. Possibly. Was he boozy? I don't know. I mean, certainly not at home, but he commuted. When you watch that thing, were you like astounded by like, could they really have drank that much all day long? You know, I don't really drink. I'm more of a stoner yeah so this idea of just having a few martinis at night i i don't understand really what makes an alcoholic i don't know how you define that when, but it seemed like that generation drank a lot like three, as like a social thing right. and smoked a lot yeah well i like yeah. the smoking but like three i mean i was a drinker too but like three martinis at lunch i'm done 
Yeah. What, what the, yeah. How's the day go on? I how, do you, how do you go back to work? I don't know. I mean, now people are on antidepressants, so maybe it's the mm. same. You know. Uh, yeah, maybe that. Or I, Coke. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of drugs and all kinds of. Is Coke back? I guess it's back around. I hear. Yeah, I yeah. I don't. I think there's certain professions that never left, like yeah. Wall Street. Sure. Just yeah. get I did a up. movie where I played a uh, drug queen uh, for Paul Schrader with Willem Dafoe. So I learned a lot about the drug trade to Which Wall movie? Street. Light Sleeper. I have to see that. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like Schrader is a dark dude. And this was kind of the continuation of uh, Willem Dafoe's, you know, various yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wait, so you started, okay, so you go to college, you, you throw away Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you acted there? Not really. I had to work my way through. I was living with my grandparents, which meant I didn't really have a college experience. And I was working in the drama department yeah. on the on the switchboard. And, like a um, real switchboard? Like no, a like... real switchboard. And uh, cleaning apartments and doing stuff to, to be able to pay for school. And I met a graduate student. And I was just 17. And he was a graduate student. So yeah. he knew everything right he knew about black and white film and just blew your mind blew that (sighs) that guy and was my first sexual experience Uh uh-huh so of course i was so grateful i married him (laughs) this was the sarandon this was sarandon so i married at 20 (laughs) (laughs) because also i couldn't stay in school if we were living together right and i definitely needed to get out of so he got He, he blew your mind and and you were in love yeah, and he was kind. He was very um, pretty good actor. Great actor. He, yeah, and when yeah, he got a nomination for Dog Day. Dog Afternoon. Day Afternoon, and that was it. That was couldn't it. work again for years after he was so good. Cause really, everyone thought he was actually transgender. And, Is that uh, true? Yeah, he had a really hard time after that getting work. And you like so, Joe? That's a that's a horrendously disturbing movie. At the time, it was everybody's nightmare. It's not really a very good movie, but right. the thing that happened, that, and it was John Avidson's first movie that he directed, although he wasn't officially in the Director's Guild, so he wasn't listed. He was the DP. Yeah. But what happened was that they had hired someone else, who I won't mention, but who was uh, to play Joe, and he was crazy, and he peed on the escalator at his wardrobe fitting in Bloomingdale's or something. How can you not tell me who that is? Uh, are they still alive i i don't know i would be surprised if he was um (laughs) and anyway they hired peter boyle who had been doing a character at second city called joe right and he arrived with that character and all of that fabulous improvisational stuff but was it a comedic character before it became joe was it like just a bigoted uh it was a bigoted it was just that guy yeah and um anyway so he did the movie and it was you know, I didn't know what I was doing, and I at least had the sense not to act. And I, you know, did my own makeup, hair. And oh, it was really? the first film that wasn't a porno film that this company had done. <laughs> Canon. And I had it been in New York. Canon. And I, I had done about, I had been in New York about five days. And uh, what happened was that Jane Oliver handled Sylvester Stallone and yeah. handled 
and she saw she saw Chris in a play and she right. asked him to come in and audition and he brought me with him Your to husband. read the scene were my you married husband at the time? yeah we were married yeah he was at the long wharf yeah. and i had graduated and so we went into new york and i read with him and she said well why don't you come back to you know in the fall so we went back and within 5 days i went up for this and they've been looking for someone and they asked me to do an improv and explained what that was and yeah. that wasn't very difficult and right. they did it and they said okay and she said just come back do not say anything <laughs> and and uh and i got the film and he you know chris also got work he was in a broadway show immediately so i was like oh this is cool and i had a scene where i got to completely trash a little store on 14th street and i love that that yeah. was so much fun and draw all over myself with some unspecified drug i was on i no one even figured that out right and anyway while they were editing it um there was an incident on wall street where some uh uh construction workers beat up some hippies uh-huh and they very cleverly refocused the film and called it Joe instead of just some kind of a generational right. conflict thing. And um, and so it worked, be I think mostly because of him and because the idea if you were an affluent uh, white family and your daughter ran off to the village <laughs> with a hippie. Down the street. You, yeah. yeah. You know, that was like she was lost. And uh, and they called it the easy rider of its of the next year because it was made on a shoestring and it got very. Dis I remember seeing it when I was younger. It's a very disturbing ending. Yeah, like horrendous. Yeah, like because I remember as a kid registering. You know, Peter Boyle is terrifying. Mm -hmm. You know, in that in that scene. But the, it's it's her own father that kills I know. her. Yeah, right. By accident. Oh. See, you can't yeah. go shooting people. It could be your own daughter. No, shooting people is generally never good. Not good. Not good. But you had not done any acting before that. You did television or no television, like before Joe or like. No, I hadn't. I hadn't done anything. Then I got on a soap opera, and I was the girl. Everything happened to, and that was really taught me a lot. Because but did you have any training? Was there any training ever? No. Really? You don't have to be trained to be an actor. Everybody can act. No, I know, but I'm surviving I'm... is what's difficult when you're an actor, not right. acting. And also, it is a profession that kind of rewards mediocrity. So, you know, you can get in a situation and just develop terrible habits and whatever. But at some point, you learned. Yeah, on the job. That's the best. That's what I'm saying. It yeah. was a great way to learn. But if I had been on a soap opera for ten years, I probably would have developed pretty bad habits because but it taught me how to work basically live with yeah. with cameras and and uh i was very lucky to have bill prince and augusta dabney and stephen elliott and susan sullivan all these really people that did know what they were doing uh -huh. around me uh -huh. and uh and then i just kept working because i think i just thought it was hilarious and well you're funny and then and eventually no but i mean i just thought well yeah why not you yeah. know and i'll pay back my school debt and uh, but you got an agent, obviously. Eventually, yeah. Well, the gal, Jane Oliver, who, who was handling me, eventually I did. But they weren't really, like, looking back, I, I think they picked up on my kind of not very ambitious vibe. And they weren't particular, And they matched it. <laughs> and they didn't because I really was just kind of bouncing around. And there wasn't any plan. And they didn't, I didn't go up for the godfather or anything, you know, at that time. No, um, no, no, I never got a shot at some of those things. Um, 
But you worked with, were you in a, you were in a Billy Wilder film early on? Yeah, I, I, I got that. And the front that page. Was, and that was the right. front page. And what happened was I, uh, I then lost it because they wanted me at that time, I think it was Universal, mm -hmm. to sign for some other picture deals, which was customary at right. that time, but without any script approval. Mm -hmm. And I that didn't seem like a good idea to me, and so I lost it. But then I called them and I said, I just want you to know that it wasn't the money or anything. I just didn't want to sign my life away, and, yeah. uh, but I love you and... And then eventually they called me back and I did it. And I they got it. They wanted you. They wanted me. And you worked with Jack Lemmon? Did you have scenes yeah. with them and everything? Oh, yeah. I, with Jack, both of them. They were great. And actually, while I was doing that film, I was staying at the Chateau Marmont. Uh -huh. And I was going to go into an apartment because I was there for a while. Yeah. And I, I, it was the first time I'd been to L.A. I mean, I didn't have any idea. You know, To me, it was all just scandalous. It was yeah, just yeah. crazy. And someone came into my room and stole the night before I was moving all my money and my diary oh my and a God. number of other things. And that hasn't resurfaced? <laughs> Maybe they're waiting until <laughs> I run to office or something. Um, <sighs> and I went to this and I was distraught needless to say and yeah. um, and uh, not Jack Lemmon but Walter Matthau yeah. said oh I'll help you out and he took out because he's a gambler yeah. this huge wad of money and just peeled <laughs> off you know, a bunch of it and said, you can pay me back, kid, or not, whatever. And and I had never seen anything like that. And that's how I that's how I survived until I could pay him back because they'd taken all my, my money. And you lived out here then? Just when I was working. I've never lived out here to live out here. I've only come to California when I've been working or when Tim was working. I would bring the kids out yeah. and stay. And so I got to know. I lived in Rustic Canyon a couple of times. I lived on... In Laurel Canyon, I lived in Santa Monica. And the 70s were crazy here, right? I yeah. Mean, was it fun? I mean, it seemed like a much more intimate business. Were you hanging out with Every, It was more intimate. Everything was more yeah. intimate. Of course it was. And I knew Timothy Leary. That made it. That was a icebreaker. Oh, yeah? When you were out here in the mid-70s? Yeah. So you did some of that original acid? Yeah. How was that? Just what you'd expect. You did know? you learn anything? Did, you, did it take you place? Did it change your life? I think that... Like meeting uh, Chris Sarandon did? Uh, I think, yeah. I, th I think that those kind of drugs, mushrooms and peyote and weed, yeah. you know, are more um, opening drugs than... I never was into cocaine or no, any of a... that kind of stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was... I wasn't. I didn't do a lot of it. Right. Um, I preferred. I don't like chemicals. I don't like things with letters. Yeah, yeah. yeah I prefer yeah, yeah. things that grow like sure. mushrooms and ayahuasca. Weed. I've done ayahuasca recently. Yeah, that seems to be a, a trendy thing right now. I didn't realize it, but there seems to be a real therapy community around the ayahuasca yeah. adventure. Well, I I think that's probably better than over medicating with things that don't. Help oh, absolutely! Question. Look, if you can handle it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I find that's not a recreational drug, as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't sound like it. But uh, people have been doing a lot of it. But I, I tend to take it more seriously. And so, but like when you say that, when you say take it seriously, like, do you have a goal in mind? Yes. Really? Yes. That's part of that. Yes. Process. The first time I did it, no. The first time I did it, I was offered. Uh, I had been helping these shamans from Colombia, actually, yeah. to try to 
preserve their land. This was years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And they would come, and I went before Congress with them, and, and they needed to map their land. And we were trying to assign value to their land, yeah. showing what an ethnobiologist that I know um, was explaining all the different amazing drugs that yeah. were there. I mean, plants that were there uh, and other things to try to establish worth to, to map it. And then at one point they said, well, you know, when we come back, do you want to do some ayahuasca? This is all through a translator because I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. I said, yeah, I didn't really know what it was, really. And um, so the first time was kind of just a general seeking. But then recently... I was looking for some answers and perspective. And, uh-huh. and so I had that intention when I went in. Because it, it is a bit of a yeah adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> and did you get what you were going in for? I got what I was going in for, but it wasn't the answer I wanted. <laughs> oh, really? No, it was not. Were you okay with it, though? Yeah. I mean, I was okay with it, but I I was looking for something simpler, <laughs> and it was not. It was not. It was not. No, a little more complicated. Well, I was. I was. I wanted to kind of get a perspective coming out of a relationship where I was just like thinking, "Yeah, that was ridiculous. Why was I?" You know, right. And be done with any kind of feelings there. But oh. instead, I kind of got. You should just keep your heart open all the time. You should never close it to anyone because the whole point is to be open yeah. to the divine in every person in the world and you shouldn't be doling it out intellectually and it's okay to be hurt and it's okay to for it to be difficult, you know. Right. That wasn't what I wanted to hear. That's true though, if you're gonna go through life open hearted all the time, it's hard not to get cynical or, or, yeah. or closed off. Yeah. But you're all right. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'm all right. <laughs> I think I'm going to survive. So when you started, like when you know, going back to the movies and and going back to your education, you know, as as a actor and a creative person, I have to assume that like each movie you were learning things. And Still, saw- I mean, that's the whole gift of this profession. You every single thing that you draw to you, and I think you draw projects to you the way you draw people at certain points in your life. Sometimes they 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 present themselves because of some issue or interest or sure. something that you're trying to either avoid or or examine yeah and um or sometimes you know you go into something and it's you meet people that you wouldn't have met and that are very significant in your life um and uh yeah so what was the question <laughs> well the question it was not really a question it was just sort of a conversation because you work with like you work with you know george roy hill and louis mall and all these people and i don't know as directors i mean you had a relationship with louis mall right right so in pretty, eventually not before i got the job but, but the, the first one was pretty baby right mm-hmm. and that was a fairly provocative and controversial movie correct yeah, I mean, I think more because he didn't see her as a victim. Right. You really don't see her naked. I mean, there. Who, Brooke? It, Brooke. Yeah. I, I, I think that uh, it just was a child prostitution. His way of framing it was what disturbed people because she was actually the most together of anybody in that movie. Right. And uh, when they were threatening to give it a X rating, they couldn't, I mean, they wanted the word... Uh, nookie cut and they you never even see her nipples you never see her yeah 
touched. Yeah. So they were hard pressed to figure out exactly what was so disturbing. And I think that's what it was. I think it was, first of all, that she was so beautiful in a kind of mean way and people lusted yeah. and didn't like that feeling. Sure. And, and I think because she was so strong, uh, it, it wasn't the typical framing of a, of a child victim. What did you learn from, like, you know, from the relationship, you know, as an artist with Louis Mall? You know, in terms of your craft and what you know, how you approach things. Well, I I I I found him interesting as a filmmaker, and Sven Nyquist, who I worked with twice, who was the cinematographer, cinematographer, yeah. was amazing because the the his his whole way again of framing the story was very European. Yeah. But Sven's lighting, we were working with this crew that had done kind of B. Uh, car crash movies and and they didn't have any idea who Sven Nykos was and they just the gaffer just the first few days kept putting more and more lights in all the time and he just kept taking them out and and then when in those days of course that was film yeah so we didn't see the dailies for a while and when they finally saw the dailies they started to kind of give him some respect but they were very out of control and I think it's the only set I've ever been on where the cooler was just filled with beer and and people were doing all kinds of drugs and things and Uh it was just wild a group of of guys yeah and eventually he kind and 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 Louis and his uh uh and his egocentric way you know of not caring if people are actors or not just went and got most of the cast during Mardi Gras yeah and those gals work ethic and way of of functioning was not really very professional a lot of times (laughs) like we were not supposed to shave our underarm hair and they didn't listen to that and they would you know half the time people weren't showing up and uh, so it was a, a a very crazy set, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's a miracle that actually it got done. There was a, a lot of things that happened on that where cast members didn't come back from the weekend, or oh my god, Sven Nyquist's son uh, committed suicide during like, that shoot. Yeah, Ugh, and so yeah. he had left for a week, and there was just there was very. Uh, Brooks' mom was incarcerated at one point, and was there a point where you're like, this production is cursed? You were in you were in New Orleans. Uh, I love New Orleans. Oh yeah, I've done a, a number of films, all of whom have been which have been crazy and but turned out really place. well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's got such a strong personality. Oh my god, there's a lot of music down there now too. A oh, lot yeah. of musicians are moving yeah. to New Orleans. I love New Orleans. It's great. It's beautiful. Yeah. Jeff, you, who lives at home, was in New Orleans. The client was in New Orleans. Dead Man Walking, we for a bit were you know we were in New Orleans half of that. It's beautiful. Yeah. And did, uh, did you have any idea that Rocky Horror would become what it became? <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> did. They didn't even release it for years. I mean, that 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 is. I've been in a lot of movies that have had a very strange birthing. Um, but no, I did that because I had a phobia about singing. Tim Curry was a friend of mine uh, because I had girlfriends that were in the stage p- uh, production in yeah. L.A. So I had met him and hung out, and and at one point he was in casting. I just went by to say hi, and that was one of those things where they go, would you read it? Could you read it? And I was like, yeah, but I can't really sing. And they were like, just read it. And Janet um, was a part that people had sung very well but had never found a way to make it funny. Right. And I felt like she was kind of like a satire of every ingenue I had played up to that point. And... uh, so I read it, and then they said, well, you know, can you sing Happy Birthday? Can you sing, do this? Can you? 
And they said, oh, you know, you should really do it. Of course, my agents weren't thrilled. Um, and then I thought, well, when I get there, you know, they'll give me, they'll get me drunk or give yeah. me something that right. will help me sing yeah. because I'm still terrified. And, right. Because I had always been told that I couldn't sing. It, it is a scary. big thing. It's a scary thing. Well, it's ridiculous because everybody should be able to just sing. Right. Not great, right. but you shouldn't feel, that's your ego. It's a celebration you know, of the you... spirit. But there's a vulnerability to it, I think, that it, for some reason, for me, when I, I it was just terrifying because I felt that it was more vulnerable than anything to because sing. Because you weren't, you didn't grow up in a culture where everybody's just allowing right. you to sing. Okay, if you go that's to probably true. Central America or South America or Africa, we're, we're, certain parts where people just sing when they wake up, they're singing. They're singing and they join in, or if you belong to a church right. in the South, right. maybe you would right. have been singing, but those of us who are repressed in this area um, are self-conscious, and I thought, okay, okay, I'll do it, because then I'll get over this. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Of course, I didn't get over it. You still have it? Um, I'm not, I've had to sing badly in so many films, and I am self-conscious. I had to, uh, Dead Man Walking, when I sing, Sister Helen is a good singer, by the way, but when I had to sing, and then I, you know, some hymn to him when toward the very end yeah, of the movie, yeah, right. and I went to uh, one of the focus groups in New Jersey, mm -hmm. and when they all complain about your performance, right. one of them said, you know, the part I didn't like was when she's got her face all squished between the bars, and she sings so terribly, and she's... <laughs> And I was like, oh. And that was the only one you heard? Was that the only comment oh, that you registered? Yeah. Well, I remember it, obviously. Yes, yes, you do. Shame on that person. I remember it. But the the your experiences in, in working with these with well, with Louis again on Atlantic City, which is another very European movie that's an American movie. I know that the, the score of it is so French and the it's kind of like a play. And the space of it. Like it was like yeah. oh my God. It's a it's strange. I don't know if it holds up completely. John Guare was a playwright and he rewrote that, that script and, and He's an intense guy. He was a friend of mine. I introduced him to Louis and yeah. and uh that's how that happened and he put it in Atlantic City, which it wasn't written to be in Atlantic City. It was from... It was based on a play of his? No, it was, it was. there was a script originally and it was Canadian money and they had to spend it by a certain time. Right. And he rewrote it and placed it in Atlantic City and it, it did have a voyeur thing happening, but John really made it his own and, and changed a lot of it. Because the voyeur thing was like very... It was not menacing it was sort of no enchanting. no it was just him across the way right yeah why i'm putting lemon all over myself i've still never figured to out to get this but, fish smell out yeah but i didn't open them with my breasts I, <laughs> so why was i doing i got it for my hands but you know seriously i don't know what that it was, was a showcase for yeah, your breasts yeah well you don't see them they're strategic just like right the yeah. window the windowsills right there right mm-hmm now and you did um the like that crazy late cassavetti's movie Right? The Tempest. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. That was really fun. What island? Were you on an island? We were in the Mani Peninsula in yeah. Greece, which is way like seven hours below Sparta. And yeah. we had taken over this little town. And uh, quaaludes were being sold over the counter at that time. So in the morning, the you thing. would see people just all over littering the beach. <laughs> passed <laughs> out? Casper be just passed out. Yeah. Uh, not me, because again, I don't really respond to those kind of drugs. Right. We would take over the discotheque at night. Yeah. It was called Studio 54, even though it was right. empty except for Saturday nights. And it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. And uh, all of us were there with Paul Mazursky leading us and Cassavetes and Victoria Gossman and Gina, uh, Jenna Rollins. And, um, and we would do 
talent shows and things because we were all stuck in the middle of nowhere. Were they fun people? So fun, so fun. Like he strikes me like with with Jenna and him, like that whole crew just seemed like they knew how to have a good time. Totally, they <laughs> they you know they were so interesting and so great. And I actually tried to get fired from that movie. Why? Well, we were doing rehearsal, and um, you know he just he wanted her to be in high heels, and I, I my idea of what she was was more modern and kind of adventurous and I felt that she really loved the guy and he didn't feel that I loved John and and uh, so I cut off all my hair thinking that would get me fired and that didn't work and then uh, so then I just said I'm gonna quit and I because I thought I can't I can't go be with this guy on an island you know yeah I, he, we just so don't you and John no me and Mazursky oh right so I went to John and I said he was staying at the Wyndham Hotel and I said you know I'm sorry, I just came to tell you that I really have to, I can't do this anymore. We're just not in the same place and I, it, it's just not going to work. You know, he doesn't think I love you and he, I, I just don't understand what to play. And he said, if you leave me, I will break your legs. <laughs> Which was not at all what I expected him to say. He said, listen, you don't have to listen to him. You know, we'll just, you can love me. You just, you just love me. Don't listen to him. We'll just do it. Come on, you have to come. You know, you can't leave me now. You have to come. Just uh, do it. You'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll have fun. <laughs> Did you? Uh, yeah, he was right. We just didn't listen. I stormed off the set once. <laughs> uh I, I did storm off the set because there was some issue because my underpants, I was just wearing t-shirts and yeah. underpants. Yeah. I think there were a number of movies with no bras. I don't know. That was like the thing at that time. But I had underpants on and, and it became all about, he said, you're under, th these are, they're not, they're too on the nose. Mazursky said that? Yeah. And I was I got it. I was so pissed off. I took them off and like threw them. And as I walked off bare assed, I thought, "What are you doing? You're in, this is so stupid. This is so stupid." Anyway, we had a good time. He he would give Molly Ringwald and I. Yeah. He, he he we in our boredom worked up that little singing number we would do uh, in the pool at the hotel. We would yeah. do um, water ballets to "Why Do Fools Fall in Love," and so he put it in the movie. The song. Um, but anytime he wanted us to sing, we would charge him money, and that's how we got cash. <laughs> if we'd be out at a restaurant, Raul would sing, and yeah. uh, and then he'd ask us to do something, and we would say, well, you have to pay us. And, and, and that's how you got cash? cash? And then you've worked with both Scott brothers? I know. There aren't too many people who have done that. And like uh, Tony Furso? Tony Furso was his first film, The, the Hunger. Hunger. It's a crazy movie, huh? It's a crazy movie, and he was so wonderful and... And, uh, you know, this, that was a strange experience because in the middle of it, somebody had stolen a lot of money or something from the production and suddenly they were cutting things out and, and changing the ending and and uh, Catherine and I, you know, tried to stick up for him and and Didn't, protect him. Yeah. yeah, we did. He was he was great. David was great. That's when I got to know David. Yeah. yeah. Is that amazing? Yeah. Did yeah. you did you stay in touch with them? It's so we sad. We were together for like two or three years. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Oh man. So you you know you were on the inside there. I was on the inside. And yeah. and was uh did you stay in touch? You know were you? Yeah, we stayed in in touch. I mean like I 
I I so admire Iman in that part of his life, yeah. and and uh, uh, we did stay in touch. We didn't hang out a lot, but right. our, you know he was in New York, and our paths crossed. And I would see her a lot too, and I really respected him. And I thank God reconnected with him before he passed. Yes, and I was so ha- that was a real gift. It's it's very interesting to me about him is that like he, it seemed like at the core of it he was a very sort of you know classy person, like, very private, yeah. very. Um, had a lot of integrity, very um, traditional in some ways, especially where his kid was concerned and his, you know. His kid made a great movie. That, the... Yeah. The Moon movie. Yes, absolutely. This is a really good movie. I love that movie, yeah. Yeah, and so like, you know, behind all of the theater was a a fairly private and... Well, I think he evolved. I didn't know him in the early days in Berlin. You know, I... I didn't know him then, but um, I think, like all the very interesting people, uh, artists of different kinds, that he, the, the the temptation is that when you find something that works, you keep on doing that and preserve that. And I think that milk it. The really interest, and you're encouraged to do that. Yeah, whether of course, it's by the record companies that, or yeah. Well, and as an actor, they yeah. don't. You know, they if you're successful as a boot, they don't want you to be a sandal next. Yeah. You know, they yeah. want to buy what yeah. they knows yeah. works yeah and i think that's true in that odd um combination of art and commerce you know that's that's where you get in trouble and right. people like bowie and you know other there are other artists yeah, too that i really few. admire that are they keep looking and have their eye you know to the culture and their finger on the pulse and yeah. they uh, they take chances. Work with different people, and yeah. they take chances. And and uh, he was doing that right up to the end. When I saw him, the very end, he he said, "You know what's amazing is this been such a productive year. It's just been such a productive year because he had health issues, and there was a period where he wasn't uh, writing that much, and and uh, and then he just exploded with all of this and the play that um, Lazarus that yeah. that was going on too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he seemed to sort of be very aware of the time running out and what to do with it. Aren't we all at a certain point? I but think. I don't know how we'd be as productive as him necessarily. That's, no, that, that's a whole other thing. And plus, and then he also had this amazing, uh, you know, younger child. And and uh, and as I said, Iman, I think, matched him in terms of someone who had this incredible beauty and, and was so strong and, mm-hmm. and also kind of alien-like from another culture. And yeah. it was a really beautiful union. That's nice. So you did, uh, you, well, you, okay, Riches of Eastwick was fun, I'm sure, right? No, Riches of Eastwick, we had a really hard time because um, George Miller really hadn't worked with the studio and, and the script kept changing and mm. nobody knew what they were doing and it was double the, the it went from three months to six months and you know, for me, it was very hard because everybody else lived in L.A. And when we got to L.A., oh, and it started off, I show up for work and they give me a different part. <laughs> so I've prepared yeah. for the part that has all the scenes with him. Yeah. And for some reason, my lame agents at the time couldn't do anything about it. And I ended up doing a part where I now had to learn to play the cello in like two weeks. Two and a half weeks, and oh, I've never right. played he shows you any right. instrument. Oh my god! And I had an eighteen-month-old baby that I was single mom, and and yeah. I couldn't. And they said, "Well, you can't drop out. If you drop out, we'll put a cease and desist on anyone that tries to hire you. And you know, you just better. Oh my god! Find a way to do Bullet this. Bullet you into it. So, um, 
or don't work for a while. Yeah. And so I stayed and sat there and listened to Cher complain about my part. <laughs> but all of us, you know, everybody got along, and that whole part of it was great, but it was very difficult. And I didn't even have, I mean, she gave me wardrobe from her show and a wig from her show. They didn't even provide me. Oh I don't God. know what was going on, but it was not a very easy shoot. Uh, well, then you do Bull Durham and you meet Tim. Right. And you and get Kevin him, and, and right. Ron. Right, and you get involved with Tim then? Yeah, uh, not immediately, but afterwards. Yeah. And then I had two boys with him, so that was a good I saw thing. one of them the other night. Tall yes, guy. Yes, Jack Henry, yeah. 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 He's a director now and a writer and right, filmmaker. I and I think my, my assistant auditioned for him for something. Oh. Um, but that, like, that relationship, whatever happened, ultimately, it seemed pretty productive and very creative. Very productive, very productive. I yeah. think that's a sign of a good relationship, too, is when you... A lot of good stuff come out of it. Well, you're so you're so sharp, and you know, and you're, I mean, I imagine it was uh, compelling to be to work with the person you're with, like like that. For me, like, the hottest thing you could possibly do is to create something. It doesn't have to be film, but anything right, you know right. to to actually have something outside of yourself, besides your child, that mm-hmm. you work on. I think if you can sustain it i think that's just keeps a, a relationship alive and and is is so much fun and you, so much fun and you liked him as an actor yeah i mean i it takes a really smart guy to play that kind of an asshole you know he specializes in assholes, assholes. <laughs> and uh he he brought to that project and it was funny because the studio really wasn't high on either of us mm-hmm. uh and uh and i think it was it's such a great give and take the three of us uh in terms of the music of the characters yeah. and the balance of the characters and kevin is so generous he was the one that stood up for us he was the one that made it possible he was so hot at that time both as a person but also career-wise yeah. and he because it was a first-time director you know there was a lot that because of Kevin happened, and it, as I said, you know they 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 really weren't interested in hiring me or Tim. I had to audition, and all the women that they wanted wouldn't audition. And Ed, um, uh, Ron, re- he he really wanted to hear it. So I was living in Italy, and I flew myself over at great expense, left my child behind. So I turned right around and went back as quickly as I could. Came in. Did the audition, got on a plane, and went back. And but the audition was the entire film, reading the entire film. Oh my god! And uh, we didn't even have a phone in our house in in Chircea, which was where I was living. And uh, a few days later, I got the call to come back. Great. Yeah. And Thelma and Louise did you, like that's another movie that like changed lives. Yeah. This is one of the great you know, feminist movies before there was really that in the mainstream. But we didn't, you know, when we did it, I mean, Ridley Scott was not known as a feminist. No, I know, but like it's but something we, about the dynamic. Well, well, we thought it was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And mm-hmm. I think the dynamic, I mean, we provided a lot and, and it was a great idea and everything, but I think also Ridley put us in this heroic vista you yeah, know yeah. i mean he put us in it could have been a little tiny movie right but his eye the the joke when we were doing it was that 
because we just shot so many sunrises and sunsets and travel shots. And we were like, the whole movie is going to be a voiceover. You're never going to see us at all. You're just going to see all of this amazing yeah. stuff. And every the guys on the crew just adore him. And yeah. they were all bare chested with their T-shirts around their heads. and. Yeah. Going off into the sunrise, the sunset, <laughs> catching this, catching that, and Gina would ju- and I would just go back and go, I don't know. You think we're going to be in this movie? <laughs> you think at the end of the day we're going to survive the cut? I don't know. That character was so like you, you were so good. Thank you, thank I mean, you. Now that- we're having a renaissance. You know, we keep seeing each other because the anniversary is coming up. Mm-hmm. So everyone's taking pictures and asking us to do things together. So it was great. We've been able to see each other more. How's she doing? She's great. She's great. She's She just did a pilot and, you know, Good. she's got kids. She came the other day to the after party. Uh, oh, at the theater? At the theater. I ran out. Yeah, she she came just to say oh, hi. That's sweet. Yeah, she's a great gal. And um, with, um, with Dead Man Walking, like, so that was, was you would, had you been nominated before? Oh, yeah. Four, lot, time, right. four times. Yeah. For Atlantic City? Um, Atlantic City, The Client. Um, That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's a very good yeah. movie. He was great, that guy. Brad Renfro. Yeah, sad. So sad. Sad fucking story, man. I know. I see Joel often in New York, and we always... Yeah. You know, that was so sad. But like with Dead Man Walking, that, that movie was uh, had... Like, it, 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 did you feel that when you and Tim were working on that, that I, you're both politically um, active? So the drive of that to create a sympathetic character out of that out of that character. I or, met Sister Helen. Yeah, she gave me the book based yeah. on people that she knew that were political. That gave me a good recommendation. She had no idea. Mm-hmm who I was as an actor. She mm-hmm. knew I was in Thelma Louise and she was worried I was the other one and I came in and met her when I was there for the client actually in New Orleans and mm-hmm. I had dinner with her and, and over a handshake she gave me the book. But it took me over a year to convince him to do it. I, it took me having a little meltdown saying, all right, then I'm going to give it to somebody else. He had another film he wanted to do that he was writing. He really wasn't into it. And so after a while I just said, look, I'm going to go to somebody else with this if you don't want to do it. Playing hardball with you. And he said, well, I mean, you know, I felt that for me it was a love story. Mm -hmm. All the movies I do are love stories. And this was a question of unconditional love. Do you, can you, I mean, that's what religious people do. They love you unconditionally like Jesus did. They don't ask if you're guilty. They don't, you know, we, except for having children, don't really love that way. And maybe it's a good thing we don't. Yeah. Um, so that's what I thought about it. I thought this is this love story that is compelling, a story of redemption, but has this other framing, which is the question of the death penalty, but mm-hmm. it's a very personal story, and that's why I thought it would work. So finally, he said he would read the book. And the people that had given him money for Bob Roberts, which was a great film, which should be released again now, Yeah. Um, the they young, were really interested yeah. in Dead Men Walking more than the other one, you know, yeah. which he didn't like. And uh, finally, it kind of got in his imagination, and he did a brilliant job of combining the two people that are in the book and changing it from electrocution to the most humane way of killing someone. The lethal which, injection. Lethal injection. And, um, the but we never thought anybody would really, it was a low, but, you know, yeah. a little bit less than a medium it wasn't low low budget but it was definitely how'd you get sean involved 
Um, he just asked him and I, and there were problems with Sean's availability. And I said, you know, there's just so few people that will be scary enough and sympathetic enough. We uh, should wait for him. Yeah. And, uh, we did. And, uh, you know, he knew a good role when he yeah. read it. You guys were great. It Thank was amazing. You. And, and, I loved working with him. Yeah. Yeah. Great actor. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I've never, I've worked with a lot of people who have bad reputations on mm-hmm. films and I've never had, and they've, I've never had those problems. They've, yeah. It was a, like, it is an astounding movie. Now, I watched The Meddler. Uh-huh. And this is a, uh, an independent film that, like, how did you come to this project? Did you just love it? Or? They came to me yeah. and um, I met with Lorene, the writer, uh, director. Who, director, who was writing it about her mother and yeah. her family and very, very, very personal, very personal. And um, I liked her. And I, you know, I always ask somebody if I'm going to do a film, why do you want to do this film? And you'd be surprised how many directors don't have an answer. Yeah. She had an answer and she was very passionate about it, which was seductive. And um, I knew it was a good part, but we didn't, you know, it wasn't the script needed another pass. But anyway, then she sent me a little sizzle reel of her actual mom doing those, the actual <laughs> beginning of the film, the whole beginning of the film, <laughs> driving the car in bed, waking up, going to the group. And I just was, wow, you know, that, that she's great. What a great character. Right. What a, she's so open and so funny and yeah. so inappropriate yeah. constantly and yeah. I thought this is going to be really fun if we can find you know a good cast and and uh, and then my agent really hung in there and tried to help with financing and pushed it along and eventually JK said he would do it and then he got the Academy Award and I was really worried that he wasn't going to do it but yeah, then yeah. he said yes he was still going to do it and he's in uh, you've never seen him that way who, who are we talking about JK Simmons the zipper Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no, know. no, he's great. He's great, but I mean, he's always sweet. great. But he you never sweet. see him like that. So sweet and uh, kind of sexy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then Rose said she would do it, which was I've interviewed her. She's amazing. Nice. Oh, she's great, and yeah. I knew her. She's yeah. a friend, and so and then uh, the also the gift was just this army of stand-up comedians and uh, great. Gerard. Funny people, Gerard, yeah. you know, all those gals. So the all oh, around right, right. me, yeah, yeah. I was really surrounded, even in the tiny parts, by people that you could improv with or, yeah. you know, that you... And we were working, needless to say, very fast. Yeah. Because it was a low-budget film and no, you know, trailers or Yeah, yeah. And you got anything. to do a New York accent. Kind of New Jersey, New yeah, Long yeah. Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, that was fun. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So when you when you prepare for like how how do you put together like you got the material on the mother, but in general, you know what's your preparation process for a role? How deep do you go? What do you what do you start with? Well, I don't forget my own name. Yeah, uh, that I do not go that deeply, but it depends. I mean the 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 you know it's a trade off when you're playing a, a living person because you have a wealth of specifics, sure, which sure. is the job of an actor is to make it as specific as possible so it becomes universal. Uh, but then you have this weight of hoping that you're going to not patronize the audience or the character, not wink at the audience, especially if it's a comedy. And 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 the the approach to this one was to be as rooted in reality as possible. You're always trying to f- determine what the tone is going to be, mm-hmm. and you can find out by asking. You know what would be your ideal cast, and uh, even if you can't get them, you get some sense of if you're 
what you're talking about. Yeah. And so I listened. I had a Tim Monick, who's a great dialect coach, and I've worked with many. You know, we couldn't afford to have him on the set, but he went through the script, and I had on my phone, scene by scene, uh, you know, a lot of the words, the, yeah, the yeah. critical words, and. Um, and I uh, was wearing her clothing. I, uh, you know, it wasn't yeah, yeah, hard yeah. Uh, to figure it out. And then I think you just open yourself up and fly with it. You know, just jump in and kind of let it take you. And I think that, you know, I, I certainly know what it's like to be lonely or to miss someone. I, thank God, haven't lost a spouse but uh, that I've been with for that long. But yeah. you still, you know, I've had relationships end. And I've, I'm definitely not comfortable dating i you know i'm still trying to figure that out and it's been crazy and and so i i I, you know it's it's not i think if it's there you kind of just surrender to it at Uh the end of the day and so it went from being her mother to being me to being something else that just happens and that's what always is the surprise and what's it's it's the thing that's addictive about this process is that first of all you never feel you get it completely right you know you're either not brave enough or specific enough or you were on to something but you didn't really commit to it and so you see it and you go ah maybe next time I'll get that and also um, when you're working with people and and things happen that are surprising and I found myself surprised a number of times so that was great a lot really of improving. Not a lot. Yeah. There were there's some there are lines that I did and business I did that are in that were improv, you know, and 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 it was great because like one of the scenes is a very quiet little talking scene with J.K. and he says, well, you know what they say about chickens or eggs or something, yeah. and I go, no, I don't, and that wasn't the answer I was supposed to give him, and he just goes, oh, you don't, you know, and it went into something else, and that's in the movie, yeah. and, he, and he could go with it, and that's the joy of working with people that are that are flexible and confident. Yeah, yeah. And if you're hiring uh, local actors that haven't acted, you, you know, in, in, in movies sometimes you have to hire people that are there that have really not done anything, and then you get in a situation and something changes, they just freak out. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> they just stop. <laughs> this is not what's yeah, on the paper. Yeah, was she going to be saying that? <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, and I just had the, loved all those gals, yeah, you yeah. know, that were there and and. Gerard was very special. I've seen him since. I, yeah, I yeah. Got the, yeah, I see him a lot at the comedy store. We, you know, I do stand up, and he's great. Well, I had never gone on like a stand up tour where you're going to one club and then you can see that person in the next club sure, change depending yeah, on yeah. the audience right. and how the timing changes. And that was really fun. Yeah, he's good. He's a, and he's very uh, wide open and sweet. So sweet, yeah, and yeah. he's so he's got quite a schedule with that TV show now. Yeah, yeah, he picked it up. Writing it's going well. everything. Yeah. Well, look, you know, you look great. Thanks. You sound good. Thanks. Um, and uh, I'm I'm happy to see you. Well, I'm I'm glad I made this pilgrimage. Do you feel uh, okay about everything? Yeah, I feel good about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Did I give away any secrets I should? No, think we didn't. About go, no, I don't think so. I mean, no, 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 I don't think so. We, you know, we talked about you were. It was good, and we didn't get you know mired down in politics, and you know we <laughs> talked about stuff. I'll save that for the rest of the day. Oh yeah, is that what you're going to do? No, well, it comes up because there aren't that many women that aren't supporting Hillary that are in this business, and so when they find one that they can. Let her talk. And I think I'm doing Bill Maher tonight, actually. Are you? Yeah. 
Are you going to like get into it deep? I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have yeah. no idea what's going on. You love Bernie? I love Bernie. Yeah. Bernie's he... restored my faith in humanity and the United States of America. It's rare that you see him. somebody real, like who's, who's righteous and, and means it. Well, he's earned it. He's yeah. been the same guy for yeah. years and years and Since years. Since the 60s. Standing for the same things yeah. and has not accepted a dime from everybody. So it's kind of like in sports when everyone's on steroids and then you meet an athlete that's not and you go, oh, wow, I, that, that can happen? How fabulous. <laughs> and also as somebody who really got battered in the lead up to the war, when he stood, I still even now when I talk about it, it gets me emotional, but when he stood up and was so clear and so brave at that time because that was a hard thing to do when he voted against the war. And he, yeah. every single, if you Google that speech and you see what he said, then you could go, oh my God. You know, he doesn't make a false move because it's so authentic. And I yeah. think people respond to that. And it's been really special to go around the United States and see so many people who felt disenfranchised or you know, farmers, people who care about the environment and finding yeah. the only candidate that's against fracking or, yeah, yeah. you know, GMOs right. and to be able to see them want to believe again because you make yourself so vulnerable when you're not cynical about the process. And also you're vulnerable if if shit has not gone your way and you don't get angry and you still yeah. maintain some hope. Yeah. The yeah. Hope hope is all we got, though. So, I, you know, I know, I'm encouraging hope. All right. Well, good. Thank you for stopping by here. Thank you for having me. Now yeah. I know where you are. I'll come back again. Please. Anytime. Can we have a barbecue? I see you have a barbecue. Sure. There. There's a little barbecue out there. Just You don't even have to call. Just come over. <laughs> just find a driver that sure. can find you, it. Just you know, knock on the door. All and right. I'll be like, Susan's here. I guess we're cooking. You never leave? I, sometimes I do, but it, you can wait. But I should bring my own groceries if we're going to have a barbecue? All right. Well, then get in touch with me, okay. and, I'll, and I'll prepare. All right. All right. All right. Honored that heart out. Got it, Got her Got her in and out. Boom, boom. Onward she went to uh, do some photos with the foreign press. Oh, fuck. Okay. I... Jury duty. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. I believe you can get a link to my uh, upcoming shows, my workshop shows, my riffage shows at the uh, Trippany House at the Steve Allen Theater here in Los Angeles. I believe those start May 10th and run through June on Tuesdays. Go get those tickets for cheap. Benefit the theater, benefit me. Got to figure some shit out. Got to put together the new stuff. Go check out our new website, WTFPod.com. I believe you can st- still email, but no comment section. <laughs> oh, those words are so great. No comment section. How great does it feel to say that? I wish that was everywhere. That should be some sort of unspoken rule. No more comment sections. <laughs> Yeah, that's a... Just a Stratocaster straight into an amplifier. And I, you know, I just... I'm doing this because this is what I do at the end now. Thank you.
Boomer lives.